So I feel very uncomfortable yeah. right now. Yeah. So okay. Okay. I will. Back I, feel, yeah. I got you. I got you. All right. Every orifice of my body is puckered up right now. <laughs> that stopped you in your tracks, didn't it? Our quiet quitting episode got a ton of feedback, including interest from an international group of researchers. So I assume you're following all of our social media accounts. So you know about your capability to help research quiet quitting and help everybody across the board. There's a survey link in the bio where you can figure everything out. So please help everybody understand quiet quitting because in this episode, we're going to help you understand if you're a quiet quitter, how you can navigate yourself out. Here we go. Pivoting off of our quiet quitting episode, we're going to help those of you that are in the quiet quitting realm looking to pivot specifically to the scrum master role. So Bob has a lot of experience, uh, familial and other, in folks making this move. So Bob, can you kick us off? I could try, Josh. I mean, a lot of people reach out to me more and more over time. It's probably started for the last two years. And and it's people with without a lot of experience or without direct experience. Actually, they have a lot of experience, but they don't have direct experience in Agile. Sometimes folks are like, I want to be a scrum master. I've done a little bit of research and I'm a school teacher. And could I become, you know, could is it possible for me to become a scrum master? And what would that look like? And how would you help me? And uh, and then sometimes it's just people who have light experience in general, and they want to move into a development role in Agile or other you know other roles in Agile. And a lot of it, a lot of the discussion, well, oh, and a lot of times they're frustrated. So they've been trying, and they're getting rejected, and they're getting summarily rejected. It's like I haven't even gotten a conversation. So people looked at my resume. So part of it is like rebuilding your resume yeah. um, and how do you gain entry? And I don't have a service around that. I usually, sometimes I have a couple of blog posts I've put together and I might ref refer them to that. Sometimes I give them a Calendly link and we have a 30 minute conversation. Sometimes folks really, they're very frustrated. So they like, they don't think it it's possible at all. So I try to give them some positive energy, but at the same time, I want to be careful that I don't, I also paint that the road is going to be hard for them. So I try to give them some positive energy, give them some ideas, but also talk about how challenging it is. One of the challenges I usually bring up, and I'm just kicking things off just to give you some stuff to react to, Josh. I talk about, you need a unique company. Not every company in my mind is going to be attracted to you. There's some companies that are going to summarily reject you. Very often they're large companies, right? And then some companies are going to take a, you need to find that those companies that are willing to take a risk. They, they see the upside. They don't just look at your resume and not every, there's not a lot of those out there. I think, I think a lot of times it's startups. I think you did that when you were at the dude, you mm. looked beyond the paperwork, right? You were open-minded to the possibilities. 
Did that inspire anything in you? Well, you covered a lot of things I wanted to talk about. So I feel like oh, I'm just crap. pile on. Well, that's okay, Bob. We can we can do this. We can do this. I've seen this in multiple directions and even members of our community on Discord. We've helped across the board. The number one thing that I see where we can jump in and help is helping them reformat their delivery of who they are. If it's how they talk about themselves or their resume, there's so many things. Again, agile isn't just software. So you don't have to be in the software world to be operating in an agile manner. And that's where people, they automate, they automatically have this block of, well, I've never done agile because I haven't ever worked at a software company. Well, like that's BS. You have, you just didn't call it that you were still solving complex problems as a part of a team so getting them to rethink about their past and the experiences that they've had the projects that they've been a part of the things that they've led with that agile eye and realize oh yeah we we did do that because it is a logical way to break down a difficult problem that so many people just do that's how i got started with agile just made sense and then i later found out oh there's this thing called agile so there's many people out there that if they're already thinking about going into the scrum master role, they're likely just naturally doing agile type things in their day to day. So the first thing is to get them to open their eyes and recognize that. Then that sets them off in the right direction of like, oh, okay, I can now reframe things so that it sells better and people recognize, yes, you've been doing agile, maybe not in the traditional sense, but you've been doing the job. So that's right. always step number one that I see people struggle with is it's just like, I don't have the experience when you do, you just have to look at it from a different angle. Well, and you have to be creative. Yeah. Uh, I remember I was talking to a guy the other day and he was unique. I think he was coming at it from, he had a, uh, he was a coach, like a high school coach and he had done organizational development stuff in high school. And then he was coaching in high school. And I was thinking of bringing coaching examples to bear and talking about so i think that reframe you have to get generous with yourself you have to give yourself grace like let me take a step back i think the first step is understanding what scrum the master role is and what not what agile is but what role you're targeting and what are the key things with the role then you look at your background and to your point then you have to do this mapping So it's like, oh, well, you know, did you ever deal with sub teams? Did you ever deal with, you know, team leads? Did you grow people? Uh, Did you have stand up? Oh, of course we had stand ups. We had these gatherings and things like that. Okay. How long did you do that? Well, we did that for a year. Where did that come from? And some people actually play with Agile or play with Scrum a little bit, but they're in a different job. So it's like, how do you do that? Uh, the other thing is I usually suggest, I want to see how you react to this. I usually suggest that you create an agile resume only. So don't talk about, you know, I'm a dog walker and then I did some scrum stuff and then I scooped up stuff for the rest of the day. And then I did some, you know, just really scrub your background and make it an agile resume and only talk about agile stuff, like the mapping stuff that you're doing, leadership activities, collaboration activities, uh, role modeling activities, things like that. Even things that you did in the community. If you started attending meetups, talk, and if you're taking a leadership role in the meetup, so you did a presentation, sort of beef that up as much as you can. Yeah, the other side of the coin of the point I made 
earlier is that once you recognize how things you've done in the past are scrum centric, really lean into it. Start bringing more and more of that mindset and process into your day to day every day. It doesn't mean you have to like walk into your boss's office and say, we're doing scrum. Don't do that. Just start doing the things that scrum prescribes. And I guarantee if you do it, things will get better. And then everyone will be pleasantly surprised. So then again, even during that process, because it's going to take time for you to find this job, say it takes six months, that's six months of practice, like dedicated, important practice you can provide yourself so that when you start that job after the pivot, you're already six months ahead of schedule. So don't sit and wait for somebody to tell you and bless you and say, you can now do scrum, do it now, do it tomorrow. There's no yeah. one stopping you. Don't broadcast it. Just do it and things will be better. You'll be happier. You'll be excited and your company will benefit also. Metacasters, I want you to really trigger and get excited about what Josh just said, because it is that immediate practice. And that's something that I didn't, I, when I'm coaching people, I talk about it, but not as strongly. It's practicing it. Let's use retrospectives as an example. There is no reason why you can't be retro happy in whatever role you're in. You can do personal reflection. You can do group-based reflection. If you have any organizational meetings, you can have a, a retrospective at the end of anything. And so to Josh's point, just dive in. The other thing is that's not just for your resume. It is. It's for your practice. It's for your confidence. But it's also for your answers. In the you know, People are going to do situational interviewing, and you have to have something to share with them. You have to be able to reframe not only physically on paper, but you have to be able to reframe in your storytelling, in, in your connection in the interview process. So you have to fill up your bucket with something in that practice. I think you nailed that one, Josh. You don't even say it, but just practice, practice your mindset, practice the patterns, write user stories, post it. No, what, anything you can do to gain chops is going to help you relate yourself. And I think that's important because there's so many people that have tried to substitute for that of, I do agile or scrum at home and I have a board and like that's where the chores are like that. That doesn't provide you with the same set of challenges. So yes, that's a baby step, but leap in here and start making it happen in your current role. Cause that will present you with all kinds of different personality types and business challenges just everything across the board is going to get thrown at you so the sooner you start doing it the sooner you start stumbling the sooner you start picking yourself up and improving so that's so well, that probably the best thing you can do well and volunteer for stuff if there's yeah. a focus group doing something if there's an initiative if volunteer get in the game i don't care what it's doing budget process you're in an elementary school and they're budgeting for materials for the next school year get in there that's a that's an experiment that you can bring all kinds of rich stuff to bear and then write about it, talk about it and gain some experiential chops related to that. So I just wanted to nail what Josh said, everyone really, you have to find as a, you can find that in your current job. You could find that with the boy Scouts. You could find that by volunteering about the why. I mean, get, get creative. So, I don't think you're going to walk into a company without any stories to tell and get a job. No one's going to gift you 
no one's going to gift you a job. You have to do the mapping. You have to do the translation hard work. And then you have to find someone who's willing to take that risk with you, right? And give you a chance to show your skills. And that's a door opener for those that are willing to take risks because you made it happen. You didn't sit and wait for somebody to hand it to you. You said, this is the role I want. I might not have it yet, but I'm going to make this freaking thing happen. And here's what I've done along the way. That is a thing that will push somebody over the top of, oh, this person wants to make this happen and they've proven to be a self-starter and people buy into that and support people that are working for those big goals that they want to achieve for themselves. The support out there is amazing, but you have to show a, that you want to do it and B that you're actually going to do it. So that will open a ton of doors in a ton of different directions. If you start volunteering and you talk about, Hey, this is why I'm volunteering. I'm trying to learn this. Then that's, those are connections and networks that might land you in that next job. So everything you can do in this process is just going to help you find that first step. Absolutely. One of the things I told my daughter when she was pivoting from, uh, when she was thinking about pivoting from social work to Scrum Mastery, and she's made that pivot, is in addition to what we're, everything we're talking about, I talked to her about getting involved in the community a lot. I'm like, there's so many groups. And one of the good things when she was pivoting is everything went virtual due to COVID, which was a real blessing in disguise, I think. So now you can you can attack some meetings with lots of free meetups and things on various topics, and you can add those to your portfolio and they're free. Typically they're free. And so she was, I know she went to some coaching circles. I know she went to some meetup groups and it required time. She had a day job. So I remember being impressed. I never told her that dads are not supposed to tell their children that, but I remember being, (laughs) I remember being impressed. I'm like, she's working, she's working the community to increase her chops and increase her skills. She did get certifications, so she went to certifications. But I think one of the critical things was the meetup groups. And it wasn't just the content and the learning, but it was the connections that you make. Other connections other than me or other than the volunteers. So you're getting involved. We have a really good community of people that can help you. So have people who help you review your resume, people who might help you. I've known folks in some of the meetup groups Richard Core, for example, I think, who you know, Josh, think a couple Scrum Masters who were looking for experience, Richard at one point invited them in, maybe not at the dude, but wherever he was, he invited them in to shadow him. And what he, he was giving them a gift, which was shadow me in the real world. It's not the, quite the same as having a job, but it'll give you some stories to tell or some anecdotes to share. And you could it'll show you what good looks like, what Scrum Mastery in the real world looks like. And I remember he did that and it was the connections in the meetup group. So be willing to work. You're not going to get spoon fed. So if you're looking for someone to spoon feed this to you, it ain't, it's not going to work. You're going to have to do the heavy lifting to, to pivot yourself. The nature of people in the scrum master agile coach role is they like to coach. So it's a, it's a wide open place for you to find people that are ready and willing to help because that's what they do. That's what they're choosing to do with their day job. So asking one of them, someone that works like that to do that, to help somebody out, of course, they're going to help. One of the things I would like to talk about, Bob, is the certification thing. So say you're making this pivot 
And do you need the certifications or not? I certainly am not a certification guy that when I look at a resume and there's CS and all these different letters and things like that, that, that doesn't move me. What it would do is again, one of those things, if you're looking to pivot and you show I'm leaning in in every direction I can to acquire this skill and get this job that I'm looking for, to me, that's a lot different than uh, tacking them on five or six years later. But again, doing whatever you can to prove yourself and to gain those skills, those are the times when the certs matter to me. I actually, I'm going to disagree with you, Josh. I think for this discussion, so I generally agree with you for non-pivots, for people who are looking for work and have some experience. But I think for people who are pivoting with zero experience, I recommend the certs and baseline certs, the scrum master and the product owner, one for terminology um, and just understanding it because it's hard to get that and to have some collaboration in the class. The other thing is just confidence to build up your confidence that you, you know, not artificially, but you have something, you have a baseline. Rhiannon and I recommended to her, I actually paid for her classes. I'm like, let me help you with this. Oh, damn. And, I, and, but it was, it was something that I felt was really, so I'm, you know, I'm cheap, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that artificially, but it would only be for those pivots. It would yeah. only be, you can say that because it can get you over the hump of those filters, those HRs, it can help you get over the hump of the filters and it can show that you're serious. Yeah. I think I communicated poorly because that's what I was trying to say that that's the one instance where I think the certs really, and it's, I mean, it's, yes, it's for the company and for entry, but I really think it's, I mean, what I was trying to do with Rhiannon is just give her a baseline so she would have some confidence. Right. It's really hard. I mean, Josh, you have to remember like these folks are pivoting from professions that have no, not nothing related to technology, right? Or or Scrum or Agile. I, we've been seeped in this stuff <laughs> or stewed in this stuff yeah. for a long time. They can't spell Scrum. They don't understand it. And it really helps to get that leg up. But then it's, but it's not good enough by itself. You need to do the stuff that we're talking about to build that story. Yeah, true story. When you and I met, that was my first Scrum Agile anything role. Like, I remember when I got the job offer and my wife said, Scrum Master, have you ever done that before? I'm like, nope, but I'll figure it out. You know, So yep. that was yep. the, that's what opened the door there. A absolutely. I'm trying to think of what else can we, there's the three A's, attitude, a aptitude, and ability. And they're in that ranked order. And ability would be direct experience or direct skills. And attitude is that. And aptitude is the ability to learn. Can you learn? Are you curious? And yeah. are you really aggressive? Do you take personal ownership of your learning? And I've talked about that. Ralph Kasuba, three A's is his idea. And we hired with that in mind. And I think what we're talking about supports the three A's. Do you... But when we were doing some pre-work, you said you're not on the 3A train yet. So Yeah, I don't buy completely into the AAA train because one of the things that I found in my hiring practices is it was still three things. One of the biggest challenges that I saw was we would hire really smart people, but the capability to 
get shit done just wasn't there. So they were good team players. They were super smart. They learned really fast, but actually getting things over the finish line, whether it was will or skill, there was a hurdle there. So that's the one piece that is missing. And maybe it's intertwined in some of the A's and it's not said up front. But from my perspective, that's a thing that's required up front. So I lean heavier there. I think if you look at everything we've talked about in this episode about pivoting in into a scrum master role and all of the suggestions that we provided you, you are checking off every A with everything that we said yep. that you could and should do. So you're already the foot is in the door and you've kicked it open. So that's all there. Now, from my perspective with the get shit done piece, you're showing me you're getting shit done because you're making it happen. You have a day job. You have all that stuff going on. Just like Bob's daughter, there was no surrender. There was no question that this was going to happen. It's just a matter of when. And those are the things that I'm looking for because so much of this is hard and it's going to be difficult. Just like Bob said at one point during this of finding this job is going to be hard. So are you willing to dig your feet in and hear no 75 times until yep. you get that first yes because that is difficult that is hard that is disheartening but if you have that whatever it is then you're gonna fight through and make it happen now i have two things two other things real quickly i want to raise around this topic one is that first job don't be picky so if you're out there in the agile community you're going to you're going to encounter agile purists, agile pragmatists, agile asses, agile whatevers, <laughs> and everyone has and there's a lot of filter. Oh, you don't want to work for Fidelity, or oh, you don't want to work for this company, or oh, you don't want to work. It's big companies, little companies. Google is the only company you want to work for. I would argue, shut up, ignore them, and you need a company. So your first goal is getting in the door and then getting chops. And it doesn't matter where you get those chops. From my point of view, just get some chops. You need about 12. What I've seen with people who are doing this is the first job is a chop job. They're getting their chops. Then like they don't last more than 12 to 18 months. Then they go and then they find like a, a, an experienced scrum master role. And then very often they might, depending on their background, how much other experience they have pre agile, they can go to an agile coaching role where their soft skills are activated. But you have to get those chops in the door. So don't, I see some people, they listen to advisors, they start getting picky. Oh, they're not agile enough for me. Oh, I asked them a question and they have Gantt charts. I'm like, just, (laughs) just, I want to hear what Josh says, but is that, don't go for the first one and don't, don't filter. Yeah, I agree completely. And there is a ton of value in being a scrum master in a non-agile company, a ton of value because you get presented with all of the really hard stuff. So fighting through that is going to enable you to be more effective when you land in that cushy job where they're already agile. Now, there's undoubtedly a ton of things for them to get better at. But if you're only ever in a good situation, how are you going to handle it when something goes sideways? And if you've never done that, unfortunately, it's going to be really hard and you might crumble and nobody wants that. But at some point, 
you have to be in a shitty company and be like, why did I come work here? But still fight through and make a difference. And those are skills that will travel with you forever and will make future jobs you have so much easier. Well, and the stories you can tell in the interview and the experience it's getting for you. So you're getting that, you're getting that experience. The second thing I wanted to say is soft skills. So you're not selling hard skills, you're selling. So what my daughter sold, and she had to translate it, was her soft skills, her ability to communicate, her ability to lead, her ability to work in diverse situations, her ability to, and, and if you think about it, school teachers or social workers or people who are translating out, I'm going, how do I say this? The world of technologists is, is lacking soft skills. Yeah. And very often we get in our way. So there is magic. There's a magical thing if you can, and it solves a problem. I, I think one of the things Rhiannon translated was, you know, I'm a problem solver. I'm a leader. I can communicate. I don't shy away from things. I'm respectful. I'm this. I understand psychological safety. I understand radical candor. All of this soft, squishy stuff. And when she was interviewing, the, I'm sure the the leaders were like, "Yes, we want Scrum, but we also have all of these. The teams aren't perfect, and they're not collaborating very well, etc." Well, that's that sweet spot. Is that soft skill? So when we're translating translate your soft skills realize how unique and valuable they are in it technology environments in those ecosystems and make that difference now and but don't bs it if you don't have those soft skills don't, don't, then, then don't talk about it right? yeah, that's so, the worst thing you can do that's the worst thing you can yeah. do josh react to that one as well if you wouldn't I, mind to me, it's very similar to that saying you hear, everybody should work food service because it's one of those difficult, challenging positions that's underappreciated, like so many of the roles that you talked about, where you have to have those soft skills to fight through those annoying customers and the bad teammates and the bad food or bad hours or whatever it might be. It's that same thing where sometimes you get so much in return from something that's not the ideal. And to your point, the software engineering world is kind of soft, you know, like it's pretty cushy. There's not yeah. a lot of challenging situations, things that are challenging when you line it up with somebody doing work like your daughter was doing in the social work world, not even freaking close. Right. Exactly. So, for someone that can handle that on a day-to-day -day basis coming into a software dev team, there's not, very unlikely that there's going to be a problem that is more challenging than someone that spent n number of years in social, in social work. It's just not going to happen. Whereas if you've never had the opportunity to work in a situation like that, then again, when things go sideways, you're going to lock up because you haven't had the opportunity to fight through that. So let's brainstorm real quickly. I don't want to, I don't want to focus too much on social work. I think that's a good one. I brought up, a, so let's talk about some areas that might translate. So I could say, I could see coaching. I mm -hmm. could see high school coaching, team coaching, volunteer coaching for little kids, for little, for little kids. I coached a little league baseball team once. Oh my God. That, yeah. That's right for the faint of So coaching, librarians at the high school. Oh my God. I mean, I could see 
I, I could see that. Teachers balancing kids and parent and skills they're translating. Do you see any areas like professions that? I think there's a ton of interesting challenges in like retail or food service management. That's what you were saying. Sales? Anyone who's doing like yeah. customer sales? Where, where it's a high turnover job, where you are the, the manager, the leader, and it's just a high turnover world. All of those challenges of building the team that's ever evolving and all of the challenges come at you with that while also trying to operate a successful business. Those are very similar challenges to what you would be doing. So I think anything like that where it's your responsibility to get something across the finish line and there's a ton of variables that are thrown your way i think if you peel the layers back you'll probably find that you're doing some flavor of scrum or agile to plan those things out because guess what you can't plan that far ahead because just reality prevents it absolutely i had a guy he was an exterminator he was a manager of a crew an exterminator crew and he would do some quotes but he would also crawl under crawl spaces and things like that and he was asking me and that's hard work and he had done that for a number of years and he's like and there was just this idea a friend of his said something about scrum and he, and we had a zoom chat and as he was talking and i and customer interaction and quality i was sort of i was sort of talking to him about and he really cared he was passionate about removing bugs from houses and the quality this is an important thing for, for him and and getting under there and getting the right chemicals and doing a thorough job like if i was doing it i would i would spray from the from the outside and say yep i i did it but he he was into quality job for the customer clear communication when he was selling right managing expectations and as i was talking to him i'm like oh my god this he would make a great scrum master from right. my point of view. It's that soft skills, but it's not just the soft skills. It's, it's the stories. And as I was talking, I was, I was thinking to myself, gosh, there's some stories that you could translate yeah. to really get someone excited about your, your match to scrum. If you do it the right way, right. If you, if you do that translation correctly. Fork. I think so. What do you think? It I feels ended up going a different direction than we intended, but I think it works well and delivers value to everybody that's listening. So I feel pretty good. There's a lot of people doing this. I, I hope we get it out there. Uh, the other thing is there's people thinking about it, but they're intimidated. There's imposter syndrome because it is scary. It is a, it's a huge yeah. pivot. Uh, maybe we land it this way. Everyone it's a worthwhile pivot. So yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the domains that we're talking about, are underappreciated and underserved and underpaid and scrum masters uh are are, are it, it's a it's a good place to be and it's yep. a good place to grow and there's appreciation and there's opportunity there and so i just hopefully we have also inspired some people to to try that pivot and to talk so, to someone in their community yep so yep. opportunities are out right. there i'm just saying they're out there you just got to go make it happen got to make it happen and that's actually the first test. Do you have the intestinal fortitude? Do you have the the stick to itiveness to go to go get it? Because it's not going to be handed to you, but it is. It's out there, and there's people like Josh said in the community who will help you. Yep. So, from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, and 
beautiful Fuquay Arena, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. <laughs> Take care, y'all.